Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We talked about discipleship. And we looked at three individuals. The first one, I'd like to call him Mr. Too Quick. He said, Jesus, let me follow you. And Jesus said, you're not ready. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then there was, we looked at Mr. Too Slow. Jesus said, follow me. And he said, let me go bury my father and then I will follow you. And then in chapter nine, right about verse 61, you've got Mr. Halfway. And he said, let me go. You know, you were here last week. He said, let me first go. Let me first, let me first, let me first go say goodbye to those who are at my house. Talking about his family his mom, and his dad. Let me go, what he's saying is, let me go get permission, Jesus, to follow you. And if I get their approval, then I'll go. In other words, mom and dad's approval was more important. I left you last week actually kind of hanging like a little cliffhanger there on verse 62. As Jesus said, would you go ahead and peek at verse 62? Jesus said in verse 62, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for what, saints? The kingdom of God. In other words, in context, keep the context. He was looking back at the security of mom and dad. There are a lot of people who look back instead of looking forward. The watchword, write this down, the watchword for the kingdom of God is forward and not backward. We need to move forward. You cannot live your life looking back. You can't live your ministry looking back. You can't live your life looking back at the mistakes that you have made. If you've lived any amount of life, and most of us have, Some of us more than others. There's a lot of junk in the past. There's a lot of things that you did you wish you had not done. No need to say amen. We don't want to identify you. And you know what? Satan will remind you of your past. Ah, you're not, you know, you're not fit to be teaching the Bible. Man, you you grew up on drugs and your father's a drug dealer. Your mother was a single parent packing hot dogs all her life. You didn't go to seminary. You're not prepared to teach the Bible. You did this and you sin there and you sin there. Satan will remind you of your past. 
But I often tell people, when Satan reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Is that right or wrong? You remind him of his future. You cannot live your life looking back. Paul said, forgetting those things behind, looking forward to the things ahead, pressing forward to the things ahead. There's a lot of people looking back. You can't look back on the good old days. Some people are like, oh, yeah, in the old days, I used to be this way. In the old days, I used to be that way. But then I gave my life to Jesus and I gave up all that stuff to give my life to Jesus. I gave up all that stuff to follow God. And I'm listening and I'm going, are you listening to yourself? You gave up all that stuff. What'd you give up? Oh, oh, I see. You gave up a life of drugs, emptiness, hopelessness, sinfulness, a life of ruin, a life of divorce, a life of bad relationships. You gave all that up. And what you gained was eternal life. What you gained was life during life. Man, I'm amping up quick. I'm going from zero to 60 in no time flat. What you gained is a life with Christ. What you gained is peace. What you gained is joy. What you gained is, is, is purpose. Because before I was a Christian, I had no purpose. So you mean to tell me you think you gave up something for what you have gained? You cannot compare those two things. You gave up a life of nothingness for a life of fruitfulness and abundance in Christ. God has given you far more than what you could ever give up for him. Somebody once said, God will never owe you anything. You cannot outgive God. We're not talking about financially. We're even talking about your life and your heart. Can somebody clap your hands and say amen? Isn't that true? Any Christians know what I'm talking about? Man, you give up your life. You give up your, your heart to Jesus. You'll never regret that. You'll always be blessed. You'll always be happy. You'll always be fruitful and you'll always have purpose in your life. So why would you look back? The Bible says no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Well, we could preach on that all day. I'd love to, but I also like to say, look at chapter 10. As we continue our journey with Luke's account of Jesus and the disciples as Jesus is headed toward Jerusalem, I've titled this sermon, The Sending of the Seventy. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, saints, if you look at it, say amen. amen. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them. How did he send them, saints? two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are many. Is that what he said? The laborers are what? You need to underline that in your neighbor's Bible. Matter of fact, write it in your neighbor's Bible. You're not a laborer. Just write it in there and say, you're not a laborer. Labors are few. Therefore, pray. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest who send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither bag, money bag, knapsack, nor sandals and greet no one along the road. 
But whatever house you enter, first say peace to his house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house, whatever city you enter, and they receive you. Eat eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. And whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go out into the streets of into the streets and say the very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you nevertheless know this that the kingdom of god has come near you but i say to you that it will be more tolerable in verse 12 are you looking at it it'll be more tolerable in that day for sodom than for that city saints stop right there give me your attention notice in verse 1 it tells us after this after this is a bridge back to our story last week as Jesus was talking about the cost of discipleship to the three would-be disciples who found that the cost was too high to pay. Now, at this point in Luke's gospel, in Luke's narrative, Jesus knows that time is short before the crucifixion. And he knows that there's still much work to do to be done for the kingdom. Many people still haven't heard the gospel message. So Jesus brings in more troops and enlists 70 more disciples or 70 new missionaries and sends them out on a messianic mission. And notice how he sent them out. He sent them out two by two. He did not send them out two by two to keep each other company, although I'm sure that happened. I believe he sent, each, he sent them out two by two because it was almost like having a double dose of faith. Have you ever gone out street witnessing and you go out with someone else? One person is sharing the gospel and the other person is praying. One person sharing the gospel and the other person is praying for power and anointing and praying for God's presence to come upon that person. Also, I believe that Jesus sent them out two by two because according to the Mosaic law, two witnesses were required for testimony to be credible. So as you look at chapter 10, you can sort of divide it up as a description of the Christian life in three places. If you're taking notes, you might want to begin right here. The first place is the harvest field. That's the sending them out to the harvest field. That would be the world. The second place is the highways of life, finding those you can share the gospel with, the highways of life. And then thirdly, the home, where we'll find Mary and Martha in the last part of this chapter as we get there in about two years. It'll be that long. Mary and Martha in the last part in the home. The story of the sending out of the 12, now listen, the story of the sending out of the 70, pardon me, is only found in the Gospel of Luke. Matthew and Mark only record the sending out of the 12, but here Luke records the sending out of the 70. Luke also records the story of the sending out of the 12, but he also records the sending out of the 70. Now, you don't want to get it confused because they are two different stories. The differences in the stories are in that when Jesus sent out the 12, He sent the 12 out to preach the gospel, watch this, in the area of the Galilee. 
when he sends out the 70, they are being sent beyond into Samaria and into Judea. So then the question comes up, why is Luke the only one who records the sending of the 70? Well, here's my theory. And listen, this is my theory. You are free to disagree with it. Why did Luke only record? Why does Luke record the sending of the 70? Here's my theory. Genesis chapter 10, please read this in your own time. Genesis chapter 10, we have the history of the nations. Genesis chapter 10 is called the table of nations. The table of nations. We have the history of the nations and there are 70 nations that are listed. You'll see in the table of the nations, people have scattered throughout the world. Keep in mind that Luke was a Gentile and Matthew and Mark, who also record the story, Matthew and Mark are Jews. Remember, I told you that Matthew is a Jew writing to the Jews about the king of the Jews. That's the book of Matthew. Matthew is a Jew writing to the Jews about the king of the Jews. So Matthew, in Matthew's gospel, you'll see that as Jesus sends out the 12, he tells them, don't you remember this? Were you with me in Matthew? He tells them to only go, listen, stay with me. He tells them to only go as they go out to the lost sheep of, anybody know? Israel. Only go to the lost sheep of Israel. Israel. Luke, being a Gentile, wanting to show that the gospel is to all nations. He doesn't just tell us the story of the sending of the 12, but also the sending of the 70. It's almost like an analogy of the 70 nations or the gospel going out to the whole world. Now, again, this is my theory. You may or may not agree. When we get to heaven, God will tell you that I was right. We'll settle with there, and then you, you can apologize. <laughs> so notice in verse 2, Jesus said, go ahead and look at verse 2, if you will, saints. Jesus said, the harvest is what? Great. The, some of y'all ain't looking. The harvest is what? But the labors are what? Isn't it very interesting that Jesus said that 2,000 plus years ago, and yet we can still say that today? The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And then Jesus went on to say, therefore, do what? Pray. Pray. Did you notice he didn't say, therefore, get busy and do something? You know, I, I, I think the first order of business is to pray. Why? Before, because before you go, you got to find out where you're going. Amen. you got to pray. You know, I think too often... You know, when people come to church, and this has kind of been historically, sadly, historically, when people come to church, the first time they're there, maybe the second time they're there, someone comes up to you and asks you to do something in the church. Has that ever happened to anybody here where, I mean, you've been to church like one time, this church maybe two times, and if they've seen you three times, that's it. They're like, hey, well, when are you going to start serving? When you're going to start doing something in the church, God wants to use you, don't you? That happened to me one time. I was stationed at Scott Air Force Base in Illinois. And I love that duty station because I was the only Navy person stationed on an Air Force Base. I was on special duty. And, um, and I was an E-5. And none of the Air Force people understood the Navy rank. 
So people were walking around the base. I'm walking around the base in my Navy uniform, and I was enlisted, but everybody was saluting me. And I just loved that. Folk would salute me, and I'd be going, ah, carry on. Yes, you. Yes, you get over here. Carry on there smartly there, uh, Air Force person. <laughs> I mean, because they didn't know what. So I actually loved that duty. And, uh, and, uh, so, and I remember going to this church, and it was actually in Belleville, Illinois. And it was Elvira and I's first time, our first Sunday in the church. And right after service, the pastor comes up and he says, you know what? I, I, hi, how are you? Enjoy the service. Thank you very much. See you later. He's like, look, you know, let me, you know, the Lord is showing me. The Lord is showing me. He was convinced. The Lord is showing me that you're supposed to be in this church and you're supposed to serve here. He was convinced. And I looked at him and said, well, I tell you what, when the Lord shows me that, I'll be back. I couldn't believe this. I got in the car. I said, do you think the nerve of these people? I mean, these they don't even know me. And they're like telling me that God wants me to serve. Listen, here at Calvary Chapel, that is not our philosophy. I don't, there's not a person in this room, trust me, that has been asked to serve the Lord. And you have been here for probably four, five, six. We actually have a problem here because we don't do a lot of asking people for this and asking people for that and asking you to do this. And sometimes we find holes in the ministry because we don't believe in that. I believe, honestly, when you come to church, you should come to church. For us, four, six months minimum, come to church and just come to church, sit and listen. Sit and, I want a better amen than that. Sit and learn. I remember when I first came to Calvary Chapel, I had to unlearn everything that I had learned. Yeah, I'm awake because I I know it's got to be more than just me. I had to unlearn a bunch of stuff. I'm hearing stuff taught and I'm going, you mean to tell me that's in the Bible? I'm like, it says that there and it says that there. Well, I thought this one. I'm like, oh man, I don't even know anything. I don't even know if I'm a Christian. Maybe I'm not even saved. Maybe I better get saved again. I'll go down the aisle. Lord Jesus, Lord. You know, when you get saved, you got to, Lord, oh Lord. Thou is a sinner. I'm sorry. I've been up since 3 a.m., y'all. So pray for me. And, you know, I just honestly think that it's good to come and sit and not be asked to serve. Because a lot of times when you first come to a church, a lot of people that walk through these doors, I know this for a fact. Some people come through these doors, they're hurting. Some people come through these doors, they've been battered and bruised and they've been serving and maybe they are burned out. And don't misunderstand me. If you're burned out, that's kind of your fault. The Lord tells us that we need to be poured out. But burned out, that means you were serving in the flesh. That's another sermon. Let's leave that alone. But people come through that door and they're hurting and they need to sit and get ministered to. So it's good to sit for four or six months, do nothing, maybe even a year. Do nothing. Just sit and listen and learn the word. It's during that time. You, you got to find out whether you're even one minded with this ministry. Anybody know what I'm talking about or no? Y'all need caffeine. But well, we can give it IV. 
You got to come and look, 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 you got to sit here and go, well, wait a minute now, because how can two walk together unless they agree? A lot of times people start serving in the church and they don't even agree with the ministry or the philosophy of the ministry because they don't even know the ministry. So come and sit. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Do you even like this church? You got to make up your mind. Do you like the church? We got to make up our mind. Do we like you? <laughs> Let the church say, amen. We might not like you. You want to serve? We're going, no, we don't like you. We love Jesus. Don't misunderstand me, but we don't have to like you. We, we got to love you. In Jesus' name, we got to love you. I love you. I just don't like you. <laughs> and y'all know what I'm talking about. I, I don't really understand that statement, but people say it all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's just a time where you just need to sit and you need to pray and you need to see where the Lord will take you and your place in the body. And then you take the gift that God has given you because, listen, watch this. When you become a Christian, God gives you a gift. And he gives you that gift so that you can be a member of the body and make the body a whole body. And he gives you that gift so that you can build up the body of Christ and use it for his glory. So then you take that gift and you begin to use it. But for a while, you need to sit and pray. Yes, the harvest as a pastor. Listen, it's hard for me to say. I'd like for every single person in this room to be doing something for the kingdom. But what the word of God teaches, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Therefore, we need to pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the field. Notice Jesus didn't say pray for more foremen. He didn't say pray for more supervisors or more chiefs or more onlookers. Now, again, we have the same account in Matthew. Listen, you'll love this. We've got the same account in Matthew where Jesus told his disciples to pray that the Lord would send laborers into the harvest. And the disciples, they prayed. And they said, Lord, you know, we we pray, Lord, you raise up laborers, men who you've called, men who have had an encounter with you, people who love you, Lord. They prayed. And when they prayed, Jesus said, okay, your prayer is answered, you go. So they're praying, Lord, send people. Jesus says, great, you go. And they say, what you talking about, Willis? (laughs) You see, a lot of times, isn't it true, people pray for the Lord to send laborers, just not them. You know, it's almost like... (laughs) It's almost like Isaiah said, here am I, send me. We say, here am I, send them. (laughs) Pray the Lord would send laborers. God wants to use you. God wants to send you, not necessarily somebody else. Let me just give you a little forewarning. If you are the kind of person you see a ministry and you think it'd be a good fit for Calvary Chapel, you're going, oh, this church would love this ministry. And you bring it to one of the pastors, Pastor Johnny or Pastor Jim, you bring that ministry expect this next comment. Then you, you'll say, oh, this is a great ministry. We ought to be doing that. One of the pastors here will definitely tell you if we decide that it's something we want to do, oh, then you must want to head up that ministry. Expect that comment. A lot of times people, listen, no one here. We're just talking about the people in first and second service. (laughs) Not anyone in this service, okay? People. 
But people come and they go, oh, well, we should be doing this ministry. And then the pastors say, well, well, you need to do it. And people go, no, well, I was actually thinking maybe one of the pastors could do that. People somehow, it's an odd, weird thing. People somehow think the pastors are paid to do it all. Therefore, you do it. I'm like, no, if it's your idea, you do it. Amen. And if you don't want to do it, then please don't bring it up. You might want to send a note with your name unsigned or something. I don't know what to tell you, but don't bring it up. God wants to use you, not somebody else. I read this before. I'm going to read it to you again. It's the story of four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about this because every, it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.